Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. If you're talking about taking your art skills to the next level, a coach can definitely help you with that. I've been teaching archery for over 25 years. I'm offering a free 50-minute consultation call. Everybody that would like one, please fill out the form. I'll leave a link in the description so we can get to know you a little better and see if I can help you in your archery skills. I shoot fixed blades. Why should I switch to mechanicals? Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host on Archie Talk 101. And we have somebody here that just might answer that question. We have Scott and Heath and uh, uh, Andy from Thorn Broadheads. Um, let's go ahead and have you introduce yourself. Let's start with Heath. Uh, tell us, uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little something about you. Yeah, so I, I am Heath Smoke with Thorn Broadheads. I work here at the Thorn Broadheads HQ in Western North Carolina. It's a small town of Burnsville. Um, I'm an avid archer. I'm a bow hunter at heart. And my life is centered around God and family foremost, but archery, archery takes a great hold on my life. So that's, uh, that's definitely a forefront in everything I do. And Scott, how about you? Going to introduce yourself and tell us a little something about you. Yep. I'm Scott Nice. Um, I am a national sales manager um slash customer service uh pretty much whatever we need to do to conduct daily business for thorn broadheads um center cross archery is the uh, parent company for thorn broadheads um we are a christian owned christian based company uh as as heath was stating you know all of us are uh believers and we are also avid archers um, obviously I have a few more gray hairs than Heath has, uh, <laughs> which you can't hide. But, uh, so, um, I tell everybody, you know, I'll be 49 years old here in a couple of months. And, uh, I got my first bow when I was eight and I just never put it down. Um, it's just archery has always been a part of my life. Um, I worked as, uh, on the retail side as a bow tech for uh, a number of years and moved from that, uh, gosh, 12 or 15 years ago now into the manufacturing side. Um, and I know this sounds very selfish of me, but honestly, I left the retail side because I like to hunt. And as a bow tech, my busiest time of year was October, November, when I wanted to be out hunting, and that's when everybody needed bow work done. And guys get a kick out of it. But honestly, that's that's one of the biggest reasons that I left the retail side. Um, you know, I wanted more time to hunt, and uh, working in the manufacturing side, um, it, it it affords to be able to do that. Uh, and 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 I really like it. So. Yeah, I know when I had my store, our busy time was, you know, right right before archery season started and and, and you're fletching arrows and all kinds of stuff, you know, right before there. And yeah, that's that's a busy time and you don't get much chance to get out and go hunting. Well, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is, and, and I, I like to pick it guys a little bit because I'm like, 
you guys do realize the season starts in, in our, you know, I'm, I'm in Ohio. I, I work remotely. Uh, Heath and Andy are, are at the main headquarters. Um, I work from my home office. And uh, so here in, in Southern Ohio, and, you know, I always tell guys, you know, our season starts about the same time every year and it never fails. These guys are always last minute. Oh my gosh, you know, my bow needs tuned or, you know, and it's like, well, what happened to June, July and August? You know, I mean, we could have spread this out a little bit, but uh, it, it, it never works that way. Yeah, I know. I, I talked to a guy one time, had a store and their hourly rate changed the closer to hunting season. <laughs> so if you go in that week up. before you're paying a lot for the labor you know it's to yeah. get people to try and come in earlier and, and look at your stuff and you know last thing last thing you want is we come in it's like oh um can you look at my bow something's not working right i'm going hunting tomorrow <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> no <laughs> yeah yeah the kind of guy that drug it out from under their bed in their bow case and probably had shot it twice since last season <laughs> Yeah. yeah or or the guy that comes in and says is it normal for your string to break when when it's in the bow case he opens the bow case and here's exposed broadhead sitting in the bow case yeah like, uh, seriously yeah <laughs> you touch that string of the broadhead it's gonna snap yeah yep you're yeah. done i keep i keep my broadheads in there but my broadheads are encased in my quiver which is completely encased in foam so there's no exposed cutting edges and you know they'll still break over years Oh, sure. So you just still got to do it. But so is, is Andy uh, available to come on and introduce himself or is no, he working? He, he's all tied up, man. So it's just going to be me. Oh, just you. Okay. Yes, sir. No, I just want to let him come on if he's had the time because I heard him in the background before we started. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll start with Heath. You know, what made you start the making broadheads? Well, so Andy here, he's our, he's the man behind that. He's our CEO. He started it. And I guess the story can go back to roughly 2014 when the journey began, we started making prototypes and tried to make the thorn broadheads into what it is today. And then in 2017, we had a false launch and then we officially hit the market 2018. And I was, being a small town kid in archery shooting 3D, I'd met Andy, became acquainted with him, and we hit it off. And Andy wanted guys, you know, rounded himself with guys that shot and was avid about it. And so we stuck together. And, uh, you know, I was there from the start. So I've been there since the beginning, not the very beginning, but since the official beginning of Thorn. And uh, ever since, just I've got a passion for what we have because I believe wholeheartedly in it. You know, it, it's definitely changed the market. And to me, I don't think we've even tapped into the full potential of the overwhelming uh, just wave that we can take over in the broadhead industry. So what's what's different about your mechanic of broadheads over all the other competition? So our mechanicals are substantially different than anything that's out there on the market or ever has been on the market. It's got, if I can have one, I don't have one readily available, but the tip itself is what we call a rip tip. And there you go. Scott's holding one up for us. So if you, if you notice the tip okay. on that, 
on that rift there, it plunges into the ferrule of the broadhead. And the blades are designed to completely close up inside the ferrule and they're held in position with what we call a shear pin. And the shear pin is installed, you push it through, you cut off the excess. And as the broadhead is launched out of your bow, crossbow, whatever is firing an arrow at your animal, the tip hits it activates. So what it activates the tip is grabbing flesh and hide with the massive impact that was would be out of, you know, say 250 feet per second plus, you know, the, the amount of force that that is, it immediately ex exposes the blades and the blades are deployed. So our claim to fame there, there we go. Andy's helped me out here. He heard me in need. So <laughs> with that being said, this tip here, when it hits, it basically is in a real fast action. When it hits, the blades are open. And, you know, at 250 feet per second plus, like I was saying, you know, that's almost instantaneous. And it's a cut-on-contact broadhead. And because of this hidden blade technology, we are the most accurate mechanical on the market, bar none. And, I mean, essentially, it's just a field tip flying through the air until it hits the animal. And then you've got an inch and three-quarter cut or a 2.2-inch cut slicing an animal wide open. So that us is that's what makes us stand out from anything else on the market yeah that's completely different from all the rest of them i've seen you know they'll have uh, you know where the blades are forward and they're opened up or there's a little pin that pushes them you know opens them up in the side and you know that looks like that would be you know a pretty um pretty good design yeah uh, have you sure. have you done uh like penetration tests you know versus your mechanicals versus others and um i guess against fixed blades we have but uh we've on the expandable side of things we have stuck with comparing apples to apples instead of apples right. to oranges so right. we don't want to compare our broadhead to a fixed of course a fixed is going to penetrate better they always do because there's no energy being lost in the translation of closed broadhead to expanded broadhead but yes we have tested that and honestly we're right up there at the top we've done a lot better than the mainstream i'm not going to name names because we can't but the mainstream mechanicals right. you know the top 10 sellers we have tested against those and outperformed most of them and all the tests if not all of them there are a few that give us a run for our money but i mean you know that is what it is we've we've tackled the biggest part and that's making the most accurate and best functioning mechanical broadhead you can ask for yeah because the last thing you want is your mechanical to fail so then it ends up just being a you know field tip and yeah, uh, yeah. you know and that doesn't do a very good job of killing the animals you got to have them blades to cut you know tissue and veins and stuff in there yep yep and I, it's a it's a very reasonable concern i mean we get that question all the time but this is our this is our fifth year in business and obviously we're still here so it's a successful business and it's a successful broadhead that and i mean just go take a look at our social media i mean the amount of uh the amount of success from customers from television partners youtube partners staffers man it is it's undeniably very useful and very effective so that if, if 
you know, if there is that concern, you know, a man, all a man has to do is just take a look at our social and it's nothing that we bought or paid for. It is tried and true success in the, in the proof right there. Yeah. Cause so many times the, you know, you'll see some of these and you can obviously tell that it's a paid prom, uh, endorsement, you know, just the way they word it, you can tell it's a paid endorsement. And then yeah. you know, when you get out there and that doesn't do anybody any good um, because people see through it and then it's like, okay, they're paying for endorsement. You don't have any confidence in their product. And when you get true, um, you know, reviews on them. Um, now I actually got your website up so I can kind of look at it, but uh, you also have for crossbow and compounds, you can select like on the, uh, uh, the riff expandable. Mm -hmm. um, now, do you do anything different between those? Because I know the crossbows have a whole lot more initial force behind them. Yeah, so the rift um, and the HPX, HPX is specified for crossbow. And, and the rift is an either or. It's a compound or crossbow. The crossbow models have a black shear pin. It's a little bit thicker durometer of the shear pin. That way, in today's crossbows especially, the initial force from the launch of the crossbows was sharing the original design that we had five year, five, six years ago. You know, five, and five, six years ago, we didn't have crossbows shooting 400 feet per second. And then within a year into the business, all of a sudden, companies like Raven were launching 400 feet per second crossbows. And that threw our original design just out of the water because even all the other expandables out there on the market, they were just opening up in flight. They were getting inaccurate shots. You know, they were missing targets at 20, 20 feet. And, you know, it was terrible. So the HBX came out shortly after this new age of high-speed crossbows. And HBX is an acronym for high-performance crossbow. And it's got a titanium tip. And that titanium tip was substantially lighter than the stainless tip that's in our OG, which is this orange broadhead right here. It's the original design that we started with. And since that titanium tip is so much lighter, the force from the launch of the crossbow was not shearing the shear pin because that tip would activate the blades then the stainless. And then, you know, when we went to the titanium, it held its position, it had the thicker Oh, looks like his internet cut out. So he comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing when things work good, they work good, and then internet goes <laughs> out. And <laughs> I know, I know. We, we all we all had that. So <laughs> so to kind of expand a little bit on what Heath was saying, the difference between <coughs> titanium and stainless is for. So if you take the exact same size stainless tip and the exact same size titanium tip, the titanium tip, <coughs> excuse me, is lighter. So what happens when the crossbows hit a certain speed with that violent launch, you needed a lighter tip because the heavy tip would almost want to just sit there and the broadhead was almost like ramming into the tip. So going, making that switch to titanium, it lightened the tip up 
so that when you pull the trigger, the trigger mech drops, releases the string, and you have that sudden inertia that, you know, launch forward, the lighter tip didn't want to just kind of set still. It moved with the broadhead, which took away from that uh, deployment before impact. Yeah, basically, you know, a mass at rest wants to stay at rest. You know, and a heavier right. the mass, you know, the same amount of force on a heavy mass ain't going to make it move. You know, we're on a right. lighter force that makes it move. So, you know, right. you want that tip to move um, quicker. Right. So lighter, so, lighter is going to do it. Lighter is going to do it. So that was kind of the formula. So even with the uh, the rift, the crossbow models have the black shear pin, titanium tip, and also you get. Um, you'll see the, the silver ring at the bottom. That's actually an adapter ring. And what that does is that uh, um, bridges the gap between the diameter of your crossbow bolt and the diameter of the body. It just makes for a smooth transition to keep the aerodynamics in check. So that's one of the other key parts of the crossbow model. And then, so for compounds, you'll have the orange shear pins. And then for crossbows, you have the black shear pins. So any pack of broadheads you look at and you see the black shear pins, that's the, that's the crossbow models. And then, uh, of course, you always have your guys that 15 years ago, they had a bad experience with mechanical broadhead, and they're just like, you know, I'm done, not, not ever going to use another mechanical. Um, so we started in development of the crown. And uh, that was a broadhead that almost wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> we wanted something that was um, extremely accurate. Um, obviously, that's that's one of our uh, you know trademarked phrases is you know field point accuracy, and we wanted that to carry on into you know our fixed blade broadhead. Um, so it, it took a lot of engineering. It took a lot of time. And <clears throat> when we originally built this, all of the blades, there's four blades, which make eight cuts. They were all one inch, which is the bottom blade is one inch. It didn't fly good. So mm -hmm. we had them from, from start to finish, you know, all four were the same. Um, and then also the distance between the blades is extremely important. So we had to play around with different diameters of ball bearings to get the blade distance right. And then we started going to different size blades and basically making a stair step system. <clears throat> stack, you know, up the body um 
basically what we ended up with was we ended up with a broadhead that was field point accurate. It cut a hole in an animal that basically looks like you just run a 12 gauge shotgun slug through it. Um, so the way it cuts, there's, there's, I mean, unless you have a massive chunk of something coming out of that animal, it's not plugging up. You know, it right. looks like a garden hose squirting out both sides. Um, and, you know, accuracy, you know, we have guys tell us all the time with their high-speed crossbows, they're shooting 100, 120 yards with the crown broadhead, and they're holding less than a two-inch group at 100, 120 yards. Um, they love them. You know, the high-speed crossbow guys, um, you know, it's 100%. It, it's no fail. Um, you know, now I tell guys all the time, if you hit it in the butt, you hit it in the guts, <laughs> you're tracking, you know, right. I, 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 you know, you know, you're tracking. Um, but if you put it where it needs to go, that right there is a highly lethal broadhead with, you know, a lung, a heart shot, you know, something that nature um you know it, it is very short tracking jobs um and also the other thing with this is just by design our conical tip is actually pretty sharp this actually for a youth or women or somebody that's just shooting a, a shorter draw lower poundage this is an extremely effective broadhead just by design, it doesn't take a ton of kinetic energy to shove this through an animal. Mm -hmm. um, hey, there he is. He's back. Yep. He, he yep. kind of blanked out on us. Yeah, that happens up here. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, we were just talking about the crown. Uh, you kind of missed out on that, but we was going over the crown about how accurate and, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of kinetic energy to shove it through an animal so somebody short draw low poundage um you know that's a great choice for them uh the western elk hunting guys um have had awesome success with this broadhead uh obviously white tails um black bear um you know matter of fact i had a customer reach out to me uh actually right after the crown came out a couple of years ago and he told me he goes hey man i made a horrible shot on this black bear and he goes i honestly believe if i wouldn't have had the crown on there i would have never found this bear um you know he admitted it was a horrible bad shot but he said as they were tracking it they were literally finding chunks of internal parts of the bear mm -hmm. dropping out on the ground you know and uh and, and he found his bear so yeah very very successful with the crown as well yeah it takes uh it takes a second seat on uh, the top five broadheads it is number two for us in our rankings as far as sales go it, it's yeah. been very successful for sure now after you shoot them um do you have replacement blades or yes how, how yes. does that work so if you take a look at the crown you can notice yep. that hole in the conical tip 
that hole will actually fit a what we call a tip tool. It's simply just a little piece of stainless. It's a stainless rod. You run it through it and you can loosen that tip up. And then as you loosen the tip up, the blades will come out one by one. And as I think Scott was mentioning, the ball bearings, the ball bearings are in between each blade as they step down. And as the tip seats and is fully tightened, the blades will seat and perfectly and centered perfectly in the ferrule along the ridges of the ball bearings. So as you take the tip off, you take the blades out, you can pour the ball bearings out, clean them out, say if it's bloody, you know, and then once that's all said and done, we do have a uh, rebuild kit for the crown and you can take, and you got to make sure you do it correctly. You're not going to get the correct flight because the bottom blade is one inch. This blade is seven eighths of an inch and this blade, or sorry, this is one inch. Uh, no, that is right. One inch, seven eighths and three quarter and five eighths. That's how they step up. And, do you have a backer card handy? For the crown. Uh, yeah, give me just one second. So, <clears throat> Roy, on the backer card, um, it actually gives a, um, we have a very good image of what the blade should look like stacked in the, uh, in, in the broadhead. I'm sorry about that. I kind of came unprepared for this podcast. Me and Andy were... <laughs> running some crucial errands for the day but uh yeah this will explain it a lot easier so you can tell right through here this is essentially how it's set up so you've got one inch seven eighths three quarter five eighths and as you can see the ball bearings are in between each one that's a you know a good little breakdown excuse me of what the crown would look like disassembled and it's you know it looks kind of intimidating to to the novice but once you do it two times it's like butter the rest of it falls into place so and what's great about this design is the way we done it is you can pour all four of the ball bearings in you can kind of loosen the tip on just a little bit and then you can put the blade in uh one blade at a time and as you do that the blades will push in between each ball bearing pushing the ball bearings into place each time a blade is installed. And once that's done, since the tip down and you've got a freshly built crown fixed blade. So, and to expand on that a little bit, each blade has an indentation top and bottom mm -hmm. so that it seats perfectly on the ball bearing. And what that does is that keeps the blade centered in the body of the broadhead and it also locks it in tight once you tighten the tip down so that once the blades are in and everything, that tip is snug down, they're 100% locked where they need to be locked so that every broadhead's going to fly the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. Now, are they flying any different than a field tip? So you just take your 100 grade field tip off, put 100 grade broadhead on and same spot. Yep. Well, yep. only if you want to waste that arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> once yeah. that yeah. crown catches another shaft, it's pretty much done. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I do want to put the disclosure in there 
like, hey, you know, this it's not going to fly right if your bow isn't tuned, and nothing yeah. will. Right. So <laughs> if you if you're the guy that half butts put your compound compound bow set up together and it's not tuned when you go to the field, don't come at us saying that our broadheads didn't fly correctly. You know, go to your pro shop or blame yourself. That's I do want to put that disclaimer yes. in there. I should say. Well, and when you have regular field tips, you know, your bow can be out of tune and, and you know, still group good. But mm -hmm. when you start putting blades up front, yep. you know, that'll then change the whole dynamic. Got, right. I know on mine, I, I've been shooting muzzy for decades and, you know, you have to line them up and tune them up and, and adjustment and everything. And I use a, a little um, a little coned washer, kind of like switch on, on your crossbow one, mm -hmm. and a little rubber O-ring so I can tune and I can adjust and I can, uh, you know, tune where the arrow hits and they don't hit where my field tips not even close you know they're low and left but you know that bow i know if i shoot field tips on it it's not going to hit in the same spot yeah. you know so um that bow i use for hunting i know it shoots the broadheads good i have another bow for shooting regular field tips so um you know that's something you have to learn and it'd be nice to you know be able to practice with the field tips and then go to your broadhead and know you know have the confidence it's going to hit in the same spot yeah, so we've actually done, there's been some videos uh, floating around on that where we actually take the same bow, same arrow, you know, same style of arrow, field tip on one, crown on the other one, and shoot at the exact same target. And I mean, they are just right there. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's, uh, but as he said, that is a bow that is, it's tuned, um, you know, it, it is, uh, it, it's timed, it's specked out, it's shooting bullet holes, you know, it's, the, the bow's tuned, there's, there's no issues that way, um, and it, it will produce very accurate results, field tip versus the crown, or for that matter, the mechanicals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So if you was to take one of our mechanicals, a field tip and a crown and shoot a three arrow group at 50 yards, if you're a good enough shot, I about guarantee you're going to have to refletch one of those. Yeah, for sure. So that's, and you know, Roy, that's the fun thing about it because <clears throat> in my quiver, I've got all kind of broadheads. I, I've, I've got an OG, I've got rift, I've got an XV, a crown. Um, and honestly, um, I can pull any one of those arrows out at any time and it doesn't matter if it's a 20 yard shot or a 70 yard shot. It's I'm 100%. I know it's going to hit where I put the pin and, and, you know, that's the beauty of the thorn broadhead thorn system is that you have that ability to do that. You don't have to have every single broadhead in the quiver exactly the same um that you just reach in grab an arrow and and, and you're good to go yeah well just just so that we have uh um, somebody in the group um aaron said i did it at 65 and had to throw an arrow away <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's, yeah I, I mean that crown is nasty if you, you get near another shaft um yeah that you're going to end up with carbon in your hand. That's for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, like everything that's new. I know when the, you know, the first mechanicals come out, they made a big old hole, but didn't penetrate, you know, mm -hmm. and right. 
and, and you know that they've gotten a lot better since then. Now, well, what would you say would be the minimum draw weight for compound to shoot one of the mechanicals? Fifty pounds. Fifty-five pounds is a very conservative number. That's what we've tested too. And that, well, and I, of course, that always depends on your draw length as well. You know, if you're shooting a twenty-six inch draw length and shooting fifty-five pounds, I would probably steer towards the crown. Um, but you know, the expandables are very effective from 55 pounds. If you're shooting a 28 and a half and higher, 27 and a half and higher at 55 pounds, and you're shooting correct spine to match with that, don't be afraid of shooting the OG, you know, it, it'll, it'll do great. Yeah. So that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get into, um, arrow shafts, uh, and and a lot of guys they call it aero spline s p l i n e and it is not it is s p i n e it is aero spine um you know spine and weight um there's a lot of trains of thought on that a lot of things floating around on the internet um and it's like anything else in this world you've got the extreme either direction and really what guys need to focus on is somewhere in the middle um, you know, finding, um, myself personally, having done this for many, many years. And as you can see behind me, I've killed quite a few critters. That's just a handful. Um, I like, uh, you know, I shoot 72 pounds at a 30 inch draw. And I typically like to run a 460 to 480 grain arrow um, and have been very successful with that. I have shot much heavier, um, just playing around with it. Yeah, I get penetration, but I lose so much on distance. Um, you know, I've killed critters at quite a distance with a bow. And, uh, I, so I like to find that mid range, um, in my opinion, a light arrow only has one place and that's on a 3d course, yeah. um, shooting foam. Um, and there's guys that argue that till they die. And, you know, that's fine. You go track that deer, or that elk or that bear for 17 miles, burn the leather off your boots. I don't care. It ain't my boots. Um, but for me personally, um, I like that mid range. I like that 465 to 485 range. I feel that for energy, distance, and penetration um, at my draw length, at my poundage, that has been extremely successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I try yeah. to stick in the 450 grain. That's what I've been running for the last two years. I shoot. So I'm right there pretty close to Scott. I'm a 30 and a half inch draw, drawing actual 72 and a half pounds. I blow through everything I shoot with a 450 grain arrow and that's a 300 spine. So, I mean, it's yeah. very effective. Yeah. Yeah, I know my first year is 52 pounds and I had a, a full length aluminum arrow with a hundred and like 25 grain broadhead on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was 20 feet up in the tree, I was 40 yards away, and that arrow almost went clean through. Yep. Yeah. 
a heavy slow arrow and they didn't stop. I kind of equate it, you know, you run into a brick wall with a Mack truck or Volkswagen, which would you yeah. rather have? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so going, the new runway does is is kind of nice, but uh, um, yeah, and, and you have heavy. to understand too that the technology of the bows have has come a long way. When you look at the cam systems, um, you know, when you look at the overall speed of the bows, you know, back when 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 I was a kid, and certainly um, not calling you out for age, Roy, but <laughs> when you were younger. You know, them little round wheels were not real efficient. I mean, you were basically um it it was it was a wholly a pretty much a limb driven uh bow. Mm -hmm. I I mean the, the the limbs were the workhorse. And now when you look at a bow, the the advancement in technology and engineering, um, you know, the cams and the limbs, you know, the cams are a more integral part of um the launch system than what they used to be <clears throat> so the energy is different and, and i mean that in a way that um upon release um it's it's kind of hard to, uh, without getting too technical but it seems like you've got more energy throughout the aero flight and travel due due to the mechanics and the engineering of the systems today so you don't necessarily like back in the old days running the old <laughs> Easton aluminum shafts. You know, you needed a big heavy arrow. I mean, you weren't really going to shoot that far anyways. So no. you know, I mean, if you cut down an old poplar tree in the backyard and shoot it, you know, uh, you know whatever you could get heavy to push through. But with today's equipment, it, that's certainly not the case. Um, you know. I personally know guys that have shot deer at, a, at well over a hundred yards with a compound bow and, you know, that arrow passed clear through, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, um, you know, I've shot them at near 80 yards uh, or give or take a couple yards, a little over, a little under that have had clean pass throughs. Um, and I was nowhere near the heaviness of those old aluminum shafts. You know, right. we're talking a four, 465 grain shaft <clears throat> with a 100 grain broadhead. And uh, now, obviously, that's not hitting the shoulder. That's staying just right. behind the shoulder, you know, clipping the heart and through the lungs. Um, you know, that's that's a very, uh, you know, very doable scenario. Yeah, but that that's a whole can of worms of like the oh, it is yeah that the dynamic of an arrow past like fifty yards in some setups completely changes as what it was at ten feet, you know. But like we said, that's a can of worms for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want to get yeah. into that. So, but it sounds like in rigo fishing, all these cans of worms were opening up. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, could probably, <laughs> we could fish for about a week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, these are all questions that people are going to have. And, you know, you know, now let's get them answered. You know, if we can yeah. think of a question that they, they have. And I know I started out, you know, the boats when I started, they didn't have no wheels. It was a stick with a string. You're flicking yep. another stick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's archery. Yep. That's still archery. Yep. It's just, um, you know, they kind of advanced. I'd been shooting for probably 10 years for the first compound came out. You know, they didn't come out until the 70s. And, 
um, I don't know, bows have advanced quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of them we had overdraws to get the speed out of them mm -hmm. and, and everything else. You know, that those, you know, those can be dangerous because, you know, the tip of the arrow is behind your hand. Right. You know, anything comes off, you know, it's through <laughs> your hand. And, and you well, know, that's yeah, but... why I always set them up so that the arrow was in front of your hand. Um, I just seen a guy one time come in and say, yeah, he says the arrow fell off the rest. He didn't notice it until he pulled the trigger. Mm. Uh, on his hand between his index finger and thumb on that meaty part back there there is a three three-sided scar because the arrow yep. went through his hand yeah but you got to figure way back in the early 80s we thought lawn jarts was a good thing yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> i had a set of possibly <laughs> yeah what could possibly be wrong with throwing a yeah, an object yeah. up in the air and let it come down <laughs> yeah yeah we <laughs> throw them all the time you know, nobody, yeah. nobody got yeah, hurt we had because we stayed out of the right. way of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we knew they hurt. Yeah. Sure. You know, and nowadays, you know, everybody wants to be safe and then, you know, put anything at risk. And yeah, it's, it's completely different. But anyway, sure. um, so you're looking at, um, you know, 55 pounds or so, 52, 55 pounds for a minimum for that, you know, it's your 28 or better draw length. Mm -hmm. I know when I had my store, I used to tell them, you know, if you're not shooting at least 60 pounds, you don't want to shoot a mechanical. It just takes too much force out of it. And, you know, they weren't, you know, quite as good at design as these. And some of them, you know, they'd have problems with they, they, the blades would get bent a little bit and then they wouldn't open or wouldn't close. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of problems with it. Just like when the first carbon arrows come out, I wouldn't shoot one of those for hunting. You couldn't pay me enough money. You know, because what happens hey. if they broke, they splintered. And and now, you know, the new carbons now, they don't splinter. They just break cleanly. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, now now it's okay. But, you know, before I didn't want to take a chance of having an arrow uh, break inside the animal and have all these carbon fibers in the meat. You know, because then that's like, sure. okay, you got to throw it away because you can't take a chance because those carbon fibers, if you eat them, you know, yep. they're going to tear up everything on the way. So I just refused to and i shoot shot aluminums for um well pretty much until i bought my store in, in 2001 that's when i switched to carbons and i've been yeah. shooting aluminum so then i shot the double x 78s you yep. know i always figured okay i'm gonna get the straightest shot <clears throat> i can and double x 78s were 0015 straightness and mm -hmm. it seems like every year i'd get a new set of arrows and my group would just tighten way up you know now yep. I'm, I'm just barely able to keep them into the white and the single spot now I get a new set of arrows. Now they're back all in the X-ring, and you know, not everyone, of course, I wasn't quite that good, but um, yeah, you know, every year. And then when you think about it, how would you break a piece of aluminum if you had aluminum? You wanted to break it and didn't have any tools. Just start flexing it, mm. flexing. It, eventually, it breaks. And if anybody's seen slow motion of an arrow in flight, they flex it all the time. So it, it makes yep. sense that you know, over a year of shooting them they would do that and then you're banging into them and you know i used to bust knocks all the time and then i i quit shooting single spots because i get tired of yep. busting knocks <laughs> well even with carbon arrows you can and, I, and i'm glad you brought that up because <coughs> you can 100 shoot the spine out of an arrow and um you know guys that oh i don't need to buy new arrows you know i, I mean i've case in point i've got a buddy of mine that i literally went and took his arrows and broke them and threw them away because he just like i don't need new ones 
And I'm like, but you've been shooting these for how many years? Well, when we got him some new arrows, he goes, oh my God, I'm shooting so much better. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've been telling you, you need to replace these because when, when you fire that thing and you start pounding it into a target and you're taking that thing and putting that abrupt stop to it every time, and like you said, they do flex in flight. Um, you know, you you one hundred percent shoot the spine out of them, and uh, I, I mean, most of us, you know, we hit the woods every year with new arrows, mm-hmm. and and especially ones that have been shot much. You know, now if I if I have some that I haven't shot at all, then I, you know, I certainly don't mind right. using those. But but if I've shot them much. Yeah, I 100% those uh, those won't go back to the woods with me. Well, and I figure I, I want the newest, best arrows. That's why I always bought a new set of arrows every year before hunting season. And I yep. would sight them in and shoot them. And, you know, you know, good examples. Like I had a buddy of mine that was shooting his, his arrows and they were, I don't know, three thousandths or something like that. You know, and, and he's grouping you know, decently group, I gave him a set of my arrows and, and the groups were about half a big because yep. of the straightness. The only difference was I had a 1,000 straightness and he had a three. And mm-hmm. I, I did the same thing when I had, um, you know, and that all, all affects the way your broadheads fly as well. Right. You know, because, mm-hmm. you know, okay, why am I not grouping? Well, I've got a 6,000 straightness shaft because I want to spend the cheapest arrows I can put yeah. my broadheads on them. Why can't I group? Well, you can't group with field tips either. You know, I, I had... Yep. Um, um, when I had my store as a PSE dealer and they come out with it called their hunter shaft, which is a seven thousandths. I don't know why they call it a hunter because <laughs> I won't hunt with them. And right. so, okay, I'm shooting them and see what kind of group and I can keep them all in, in the, the white on the, uh, single spot, but my comp pros, I didn't have a problem. It's like, okay, I might miss the X ring a couple of times, you know? So you're, you're yep. grouping in the X ring or grouping in, in the, the five ring. So what's the difference? The only difference is the straightness of the shaft. And that kind of proved that whole point, you know, right there is, is a proof. You know, you shoot your, your cheap arrows. You know, the cheap arrows are for you know, flinging them at, at uh, pigeons in the barn or something, <laughs> you know, because you're going to hit stuff and wreck them. So who cares? You know, you go to Walmart, buy their cheap, cheap piece of crap arrows and you're going to shoot them, you know, at the the sparrows in in the the barn, you know, keep them mm-hmm. out of the out of the barn. That's what those are good for, not for hunting, you know, because yep. <laughs> pretty much there you're shooting at a beam and and you're either going to hit the hit the the bird or you're going to destroy your arrow, one of the two. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. and that's where you get your cheap ones. That's what they're for. They're not for hunting. Hunting, you know, you got to have well, the best you can. You know, I like to watch racing. And, you know, these guys win a race by a hundredth of a second, right? You know, so you do a little something to your car to make it just a tick faster to win the race. Well, in archery, my opinion, I, you know, if I have to feel like that I've done everything I can do, the best accessories, the best broadhead, the best arrows, because to me, if you're going to kill something, I want to kill it quick, clean, ethical. And I feel that I have to give it my best effort to do that. Right. And that means I'm not going to halfway do something 
when I leave the house and I load my stuff up and I'm heading out to hunt, I want to know that I've done my part. I've practiced with my bow. I know it's going to hit where I'm aiming and it's going to perform so that I don't wound an aim. It's his turn for the internet to go out. Yep. My guess, Scott's got, oh, there he is. Yeah, you're back. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's my thing. I, I just want to know that I've done my part, that I've, I've, I've got the best equipment, the best setup to make a good, quick, clean kill. Right. Yep. Well, when you look at, you know, what's the cost? The cost of your broadhead, they're going to be anywhere from $15 to $30 a piece, you know, right in that range. So do I want to take a chance of making a bad shot not only losing the arrow, but losing the animal because I don't want to spend an extra five dollars on an arrow. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's you know return. Let's let's get it, you're you're spending more for the broadhead than you are for the shaft anyway. Even the the expensive ones, you know, they're what ten fifteen dollars a piece for them. It's been a while since the mm -hmm. bottom because when I closed my store, I kept all my my arrows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I have several <laughs> dozen of them, <laughs> and they're right. all the Compro Compro three hundreds, VSC Compro three hundreds is what I shoot for spine and the two hundreds I kept for my kids and everything else I got rid of, you know, because yeah, I'm not going to shoot them. I'm only going to shoot the comp pros. And, you know, it's sometimes kind of hard to understand, you know, when you're trying to talk to somebody, it's like why they need the higher grade ones. Um, you know, and some your budget just won't allow you. You know, yeah. I need new arrows, better to get the three thousands than get nothing. Shoot old well, one out ones. It you know the and 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 my answer to that is Certainly, I'm not advocating for people to spend money they don't have, but don't shoot further than you know you can accurately either. Right. You know, that's the, uh, you know, that's the, you know, and that's where all that kind of comes into play. I'm not saying you have to have a $3,000 setup in your compound or a $2,000 crossbow, but know your limitations. Um, there's been a ton of deer killed with a $500 package crossbow from the local pro shop, but just know that, know what your limitations are for that equipment and stay in it, you know? Right. When you look at it, it's like, okay, at 20 yards, I have a six inch group. Say, so, okay, let's say you haven't come to me and I haven't taught you how to shoot correctly. So uh, a <laughs> little yeah. plug because I've, I've been an archer coach since 95. But anyway, sure. um, you know, you're shooting it at, you know, let's just say you can keep them in the white ring. So that, what, that is, that's what, three-inch diameter? I'm just trying to Yes. Play. So you have a three-inch diameter that you can keep them in. But your kill zone on a deer is roughly, what, six? Right there, you know, by the time you take the longs and stuff, you know. Yeah. So already, six, you're already six half, halfway there. Now you shoot at 20 yards, where are you at? Now go shoot at 15 yards, where are you at? Shoot at 25 yards, shoot at 30 yards. And where are you dropping into? Now you can't even keep within that, the kill zone. So now then that's not your normal range. And then how good are you judging yardage? Right. You know, if you're off by five yards, that can make a difference between a good kill shot and tracking forever. You know, yep. Or just a wounded deer that dies two days later. 
you know, exactly. so that's like what you were saying. You got to know what your limitation is. And I always like going to 3D shoots where they have this, the bionic deer, a steel plate with yeah. the vitals cut out. Yeah. Here's the vitals. And when I was down at PSE down through dealer school, they was telling me a story. They had this group of guys and some ladies down there and they had this one out there and it went to the first and it says, okay, now you pick the distance that you think you can kill that animal at. And you know, not to pick on guys, but the guys, oh, I can do this at 50 yards. Smack. You know, finally, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I can do it this. And finally, you know, one of the ladies, I guess, kind of like, I I can, I'm gonna do this at 20 yards. Nailed it. You know, so yep. you need to know what your skills are. And you know, guys will say, Oh, I'm not gonna shoot them because I might, you know, might wreck my arrow, but yet they'll shoot at a buck the same distance and mm. take a chance uh, because it's a buck it's it's an animal they're not going to lose the arrow they'll take a shot at this animal at this range beyond their ability yep and take a chance of wounding it and then nobody getting it yep you know so that's all like like you said well, know what your skill is know your you equipment. know when you got a guy when you get a guy like Heath and that deer steps out at 50 55 yards I'd be like, you know, cameras on, kill it, dude. You know, um, but the honest truth is, yes, there are guys out there with that capability, but there's also a larger group of guys that don't have that capability, as you said. And, and I think that's where it comes down to um, just got to be honest with yourself. You know, right. let that deer walk or deer, bear, whatever, let it walk and, you know, go after it another time. Um, and, and, and I think that if more people would do that, um, cause you know, the first thing that's going to happen, they're going to make a crappy shot because they were outside of their limitation. It's going to be everybody's fault, but theirs. It was the biggest deer right. they've ever seen in their life. And it's your fault. He didn't get it. The broadhead broad didn't fault. work. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah there's got to be some accountability. Up. Right. You know, I, it's. Yeah, I know. Uh, one ahead, time at the, the um, archery club I belonged to one time, they had a broadhead side in day, you know, so that you could bring shoot your broadheads. Normally, we don't allow broadheads at the range because they just tear up targets. And sure. We had special broadhead targets to shoot into, you know, just, just get guys, you know, a chance, you know, and ladies a chance to shoot the broadheads and check their equipment. So we had a target out at 10 yards. We was amazed at how many couldn't even hit that target with the broadheads. Mm. They couldn't hit it. They're like, this is a 10 yard shot. Now, not saying I've never missed because I, I've missed, we've oh. all, all missed. I drove sure. one time, shot at a deer. This should have been a dead deer, and I completely missed it. I forgot to aim. I just pulled up and put in the direction and shot. Forgot to aim. You know, and the worried part was like, okay, what's going on? Why did I miss? Because I seen it completely miss the deer. It just kind of trotted it off. Got a field tip out, picked out a leaf, hit the leaf. It's like, ah, I forgot to aim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all do that. <laughs> you know, yeah, things happen. Um, and, and to me, that's another reason why, you know, even when you know what you're doing, things can happen. So you really have to know your limitations. 
right you right. know it's, your effective range what is your effective range and you know one way to do that is like put a bludgeon on you know and then just walking through a field where you got stumps it's like okay there's a stump shoot it you know because yep. you know they won't stick in the ground and they, they kind of don't like to bury in the grass but just mm -hmm. pick okay i think this is 27 yards shoot you hit it okay good um or no i was over they're like okay i'm off you know and then you know, if you had no with range finders, I just got a range finder last year. Okay. <laughs> I'm 67. <laughs> I just got a range finder last year. <laughs> <laughs> I've never used it. It's, I was always, you know, got used to judging yardage. That's why I like going 3Ds because it helps me develop the skill to judge yardage. And yeah. then I shoot spots, you know, develop my skill of making sure I can hit what I'm aiming at. But yeah, it's. Uh, well you're talking to a one-eyed guy here. I always have a range finder because yardage <laughs> is not my friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is not my friend. I know uh, I used to shoot 3D a lot. And uh, I could be going along on a course and just absolutely killing it, you know, and be 10 up. And then all of a sudden, there'd be a ripple in the terrain. And, and I've completely missed target. Yeah. Misjudged the yardage. Well, there goes your 10, you know, and, and, and you're kind of back to a clean slate. So, oh yeah. When this old one-eyed guy hits the woods, I got a range finder. It's right around my neck and easy to get. Yeah. 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 And you know, for hunting, yeah, I think it's a good idea if you're not, you know, real good at judging yardage because, sure. you know, if you know the range, then you don't have to worry about, you know, okay, what pen do I use? I have, yeah, I have so, a mysterious ghost in the background. Well, I just uh, yeah, in. I see that. <laughs> so, you know, but there again, it, it, that goes back to um, knowing your limitation. You know, right. I know mine. I, you know, I know mine. I, I know that, you know, yardage is not my friend. So, you know, and I have two range finders. You know, I always be sure I've got one in my pack. You know, and when I leave the house, there's one around my neck and in a pocket, you know, to make sure that I have that so that, you know, if I arrange it, I know the range, I set the site, you know, then if something happens, it's all me. Right. You know, you know yeah. I've taken, you know, my, the rope I used to carry with me was 10 feet long. So I knew, you know, I could go, go out. Okay. Here's, here's 10 feet. I, I hook it on the tree, the marker, there's 10 feet, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet, you know, so there's my 10 yards yep. and, and then go out, you know, I think maybe it was 30 feet long. I forget how long it was, but I could measure from my tree stand, especially in an open field. And then I'd put a marker out there that say, okay, sure. this is 20 yards. I know where this is at. And then I can go from there. Um, you know, with fixed bands, you kind of have the idea. It's like, okay, once you shoot them enough, you'll know that, okay, if I can only get these two pins on there, I know it's this range and then this range. And, right. you know, I get all three in the kill zone. I know it's, it doesn't matter which one I use, you know? Yep. Right. So you can He's do that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the single pin adjustable. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, I'm not doing spot and stock. I'm, I'm in a blind or in a tree stand. You know, the first thing I do when I get in the stand is I get the range finder out and I'm ranging, you know, a stump, a log, a tree, whatever, you know, to know my yardages. Um, and then, you know, I leave the site unlocked where I can make a quick yardage adjustment and then get on it. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So let, let's get back to the broadheads. We kind of get you know sidetracked here. Um, what sure. would you say to somebody that is still leery of shooting a mechanical broadhead? Hmm. That's that's tricky. I mean, you got to be careful not to step on toes, but the truth of the matter is technology has came a long way. You know, yeah, there's always a chance of failure, but, you know, like we have always said, and not that it's a condonement that our product doesn't work or something, but if you put the arrow where it's supposed to go, it's going to kill. So be it like it goes back to what we just got off on that tangent of being confident in your equipment. If you're confident in your equipment as far as your shootability and your aiming and your where that arrow is going to hit, that will translate over into your gear. And we produce a product that is reliable. And yeah, there's other products that work. We know that. That's that's not what we're here for is to say that they don't work. You know, they do work. And if you're still leery of shooting a mechanical, I mean, and it, you're about 20 years too late. I mean, that's just the truth <laughs> of the matter because technologies came far enough compound bows are efficient enough you know when you pair everything together and you make a the perfect recipe of a setup and you put a wide cutting you know accurate mechanical on the end of a well-driven broad or well-driven arrow man you can't ask for anything better i mean the devastation is almost instantaneous and the blood trails are crazy and yeah i mean you can get the same kind of results from a fixed blade but there are so many benefits from a mechanical that outweigh the that outweigh the fixed blade not in the sense of no fail but in the sense of you know it's just so much more devastating so much more accurate and it can save your butt if you do make a bad shot you know for the most part if you make a bad shot with a you know a one inch fixed blade man you know that's up in the air whether or not you got it. But if you make a bad shot with a, you know, a wide cutting like a 2.2 dart rift, you know, you make a far back shot with that, man, it's probably going to cut it so bad it's not going to go 50 yards, you know, depending on the animal that you've shot. So it's it's almost one of those things that there's only so much convincing you to, you can do to someone that has set in their mind that it's not for them. You know, it's on, it's just go out and try it. If you're willing to take the leap of faith, go out and try it. And if you try our product, I guarantee you, you'll be happy. I guarantee it. Well, and one other thing too is, you know, the the fixed blades, you know, at your slower bows, you know, they fly great. And then you mm -hmm. get a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And then faster you get, the harder it is the tune. Next thing you know, they're so flying so fast that you're spending more time trying to get your arrows to group than you are mm -hmm. anything else and at that point you know these fast bows it, it's hard to get them your broadheads the group yeah, um, yeah. i know my hunting well, bow back in 2001 was rated 320 feet per second and it takes a little bit to to get them tuned and you start getting the faster bows yet and you know you might get to a point where you the time spent trying to tuning them isn't worth the time it takes to just you know get like like one of your broadheads the, the mm -hmm. broadhead and um you know be done you know there's no trying to tune the broadhead to your to your arrow to make it fly right mm -hmm. yeah we've taken a step out of a decade old long decades old long process you know we've tried to eliminate that that final step 
you still need to make sure your bow is tuned. But the broadhead right. tuning aspect of things that doesn't have that's not necessary for us. You know, it's taken a step out of a process that we've done for decades. Right. Well, and if you're still not confident, sacrifice one of your broadheads mm -hmm. and shoot it and see what it does. You know, and then okay, now that's your practice one. It's already got dull blades on it. You don't care because it's your practice blade, and and just just keep practicing with them and. You know, now you have your confidence that you're going to hit it with that one. Um, you know, that's just something that you can do if you don't have confidence in in the uh, the blade yet because you haven't shot it. You don't have proof, and you hate to try it on a deer. Sacrifice one. You know, that's a that's that's not much of an expense for the confidence. You know, okay, this does hit exactly like my field tips, so I can practice and I know the broadheads are going to hit. You know, mm -hmm. so you're spending fifteen twenty bucks for a broadhead. You know. That's that's cheap compared to the hours you could spend, you know, or the, yep. the lack of confidence in yourself. Because then that well, shows of how you shoot. Yep. And what's great about our our hidden blade technology mechanicals is it comes standard with a, a yellow practice clip. I mean, you can just pop it in between the ferrule and the, the fatter part of the rip tip. And man, you've got a practice head right there. You're practicing with exactly what you can take to the woods. And that confidence is at the utmost because then you know exactly. And you could pop that practice clip off and you can use that exact broadhead to take the big buck that you've been chasing all fall, you know. And that's that's a huge benefit of our design. And others have other companies have come along with, you know, set screw ideas and stuff. And that's phenomenal. But it's it's this thing now of knowing that you're equipment is what you expect it to be and that's you know that's what our product can do for you as well well that's good it comes with a way to use it as mm -hmm. a practice you know that that clip in there is is that's perfect <laughs> yep into a phone target only yeah that no is key. bag yeah yeah no oh, yeah bag the bags broadheads and bags don't work together very well <laughs> yeah you'd yeah, be but... surprised at how many people yeah yeah, Scott can tell you. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of those guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something to know. You know, gotta shoot into the foam ones only. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. you know, and, and that's I shoot broadheads into foam targets. I don't shoot broadheads into into the bag targets. No, we you know, never have. Like when when did that become a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know any broadhead company that says, hey, shoot our broadhead into a bag target. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. No. But it has happened uh, more often right. than you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, as far as toughness, um, I, I was, you know, I still haven't switched from my muzzies because uh, my bow's set up to shoot them, and I just haven't changed. Um, but uh, uh, one day I was practicing when I had my store and shooting my broadhead target, and I missed it and stuck it into a concrete block didn't hurt the broadhead at all so mm -hmm. not that i recommend shooting any blade into a, a broad uh you know a concrete block mm -hmm. um how are yours when they do hit hard objects how do they stand up to um you know not necessarily shooting a concrete block but when you hit you know like a you know one of the the real tough bones oh it's it's right up there with the best of them and it's it's a mechanical so you know there's gaps there is gaps in the strength and integrity it's not like a one piece uh 
you know, Annihilator, Fixed Blade Broadhead, or kind of like the Montex used to be. You know, it's not, it's definitely not like that by no means, but it is a very tough broadhead. And it's you know, the blades are thickest on the market. It's a butcher style blade that has a thicker, that has a thickness thicker than competitor blades. And the ferrule itself is a 70, 75 aircraft grade aluminum. So, you know, it's as rigid as it can come. And with the titanium tips in some of our models, that's almost in, indestructible. And then the, the stainless steel that we use in the standards is right up there at the top as well. So it's, when you pair all those components together and you put it in a one piece, it's a, it's a pretty rugged design. And as far as the bone goes, you know, you, yeah, it's a, it's a long blade that is at full expansion. You're going to hit bone. So you might have a nick in the blade, but, you know, it's nothing more than taking a file to it, knocking it back down, sharpening it back up. And we, we have a broadhead sharpener that Scott is showing us there. We have that on the market now that you can actually sharpen those blades and put it back to a razor's edge like before. So, yep. It's a it's a rugged design, man. And I'll be honest with you, my favorite, and it's I I shoot a different design. It's a uh, it's a glue in design for the one six six diameter arrows, but it's essentially the same thing as the OG. And that OG with the shorter uh, diameter cut and the stainless steel tip, man, it is just a tank of a broadhead because there's less that can go wrong with you know wider cut. There's more that can get damaged on the blade because the longer right. something is, the more flexible it is, blah, blah, blah. But it is a, it's a powerhouse of a little broadhead. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's always a question that some people have, you know, is, is, you know, how durable is it to standing up the stuff that, you know, that's a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you get that perfect shot, you, you miss all the bones and everything. And, you know, just going through the ribs, you know, the, uh, you know, the one, the fixed blade one, the, what is that the crown you know that that's got you know pretty small that can slide through and you know i just you know it's when okay what happens when this broadhead hits a rib directly dead on you know and that's kind of where you know oh, that's yeah, more you're, likely you're what you're going to hit you know yeah. and just go right through them and yeah yeah for a whitetail there is definitely no concerns of losing any kind of durability you know when you get up in the bigger game you know it's not to say that the broadhead loses its durability but you know when you get when you're trying to bust bones that are the size of your thumb you know that no matter what you're shooting that can be tough so right but our broadheads can withhold to it we've got guys that have shot big game we've got tim gillingham that uh we've been partnered with for a couple years he's been shooting caribou elk i mean some of the biggest game you can ask and put our broadheads through and he's done it with no problem so you know the extensive testing throughout five six years has proved to us not only to the customers but to us and our our own uh mindset you know we have a product that is outright just tough man and it's not you know we didn't want to put together a cheap piece of crap and then try to upsell it and you know like everybody else does <laughs> just yeah. well and, and and to be honest, in five years, um, I've only destroyed one broadhead um, shooting an animal. <clears throat> I shot a deer in West Virginia, and I was up in a tree stand. The arrow went through the deer into the ground, and it hit a big chunk of granite or marble, big chunk <laughs> of rock. 
you know, and I mean, I, I knew when it hit, but yeah, that, that brought me no good. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, um, you know, I was 20 feet up, the deer was 20 yards out, you know, 465 grain arrow at 72 pounds at a 30 inch draw. What do you think is going to happen? Mm. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know, that, that is, but, but I can say with all sincerity and honesty, that's the only broadhead that I was not able to reuse. Yep. I can second yep. that. Yep. And I'll say yep. this, we're not hunting concrete bricks. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, I mean, obviously through our testing, you know, cause when we're, when we're testing stuff, you know, we absolutely torture them. Um, and yeah, yeah, we can them up, but a- as far as, which we do that on purpose to see how far we can go. Um, but in a general hunting situation, you know, of all the stuff I've killed in the last five years, I legit have only tore up one broadhead that that yep. could not be reused. And that's because yeah. you hit a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A big rock. Yeah. 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 Hard. <laughs> big yeah. rock hard. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's not, uh, most of them aren't going to stand up to that kind of uh, a thing because you're not yeah. even going to chip it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a concrete block so is still point, not as I, dense I, as a rock. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I don't know if you've been to West Virginia much, but it right below the dirt, man, there's a big rock hiding everywhere, you know, yeah. in the mountains. So it uh, you know, but but legitimately, you know, that's that's the only one I've ever damaged in, in an actual hunting situation. Yeah. And that's that's uh you know, that says a lot, you know, for, for the broadheads when you can take in um you know, shoot all kinds of different animals, you know, from whitetail to caribou to elk. And um, I don't know if anybody shot any moose with it or not yet, but I know, think we have one guy that I know of that shot a moose in a Canada. Moose. Yeah. And he shot it with, I want to say the OG and phenomenal, phenomenal mm-hmm. cut. They're, they're a big animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I went to Canada one time and got a got a moose and oh man, it's amazing. Their ears are the size of your feet. Yeah. <laughs> they're big. Yeah. 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 yeah they're a big yeah. animal and, and mean and they don't they don't like uh anybody coming to their territory during the rut. The, no, mm-hmm. no. I, I haven't had the the privilege of harvesting a, a moose. Um I actually saw one the day after season went out. Uh, close enough that, that I could have killed it, but uh, um, but it, it was neat. I mean, I was like really close to this thing, and it was amazing at just how large they are. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. When, when you stand up and their their belly is is about your shoulder height, or <laughs> depending how tall you are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I, you know, they, they sure look like a, you know, really nice broadhead. And, you know, obviously one of the guys in the group uh, commented that he's used them. And, um, you yeah, know, it's been really, uh, really great talking with you guys here on on this. And, you know, I learned a lot. And I'm sure anybody watching this didn't know about, about your broadhead's going to learn. Um, if they wanted to get a hold of you, um, my, my phone, there we go. <laughs> Name, name out of available mostly times when they call it's a scam call so i just mm. hit answer and hang up <laughs> yeah um so so basically on our website my phone number my email 
you know, Heath's number and email is on there, Andy's. Um, you know, we are still one of the few companies that um, if you call one of those numbers, you're actually going to get a live uh, human um, and you're going to get somebody that is not just reading from a sheet yeah. uh, or off a computer screen. You know, you're going to get somebody that can actually um, assist you, uh, answer technical questions with accuracy um and uh and get you taken care of well and for those that are lucky to get the watch of the podcast um here's your website and i clicked on contact us and go down here and um yep. here's here's andy's information roy stoffers scott your information your phone number your email um down here Heath. um here's here's your in information and aaron you know all your information's yep. right here you know, phone numbers, emails, and everything. So, you know, that's the nice thing about the smaller companies like this is you can, you know, last times you get in here, you actually talk to the talk to the people at there. And mm -hmm. you know, or in big companies, you talk to the receptionist and then you talk to somebody else, and then you never get to talk to the owners. And that's why when it's nice when you can do that. Yeah, you know, through the fall when seasons are in full swing, um, you know, I've gotten phone calls Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, the guys are just kind of blown away that somebody would actually answer the phone. Um, you know, now we can't always do that, but, right. you know, if, if, if I'm able or, you know, whoever, Andy, Heath, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll answer the phone and, and, uh, um, you know, we want everybody to have a good experience. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is not just something we do things is something that we enjoy. You know, it's, it's, it's who we are. We have a very, very tight knit, good group of guys. And even though we all don't work in the same building, something I've always felt that was neat is we all talk so much that when we are together at the warehouse, Oh, his internet's going out. <laughs> Right in the middle of a heartfelt speech. Right. Uh, how how <laughs> unfortunate. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, you cut out right in the middle of your the middle of your speech. You, you kind of your video froze and audio froze. Oh, I was just saying, you know, we all talk so much that, you know, we don't all work in the same building, but it's like when we do get together. You walk in the door and it's just like, hey, what's up? You know, like, you know, you were just there yesterday yeah. and the day before. But we all talk so much that even when we are together at the warehouse, the main office, it's it's like it's not a big deal because we talk so much anyways that it's like, you know, like you literally just walk in the door like, sup, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like I just saw Heath yesterday, you know. Yeah, and, yep. and I say nuts, you can always do the video like like we're doing here on a Zoom call where you can actually see each other and, you know, much better than a phone call because, you know, I think it's more personal, not as much sure. as if we were actually sitting in a room together, you know, yeah. that would be the ultimate way to do it is, you know, have a studio, we all meet together, but, you know, we're in three different states. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm here in Nebraska and it's like, who wants to drive that far where we could just get together like this right. and, and, and talk and get to know each other and you know, that's, that's nice about this. You know, it's, it's kind of a personal rather than going to the, the big companies, 
you know, when you find a small company that, that has a good product, you know, that that's as good, if not better than anything else out there, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's support them. And, you know, that's why I was, I was excited to learn that you guys, you know, are going to come on the podcast and uh, that's, I, I know, yeah. I know our, our listeners are going to enjoy the information of getting from this. And um, so if they want to contact, just go out to your thornbroadheads.com and there's contact information and get yeah. all the whoever you want and you can order from your website. Now, do you have yeah. any distributors that carry them, like any of the local shops or anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Go yeah, ahead. We that, have... That's Scott's lane there, so I'm going to let him take that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Heath and I work together on it, but yeah, I mean, we, we're in like most of the major distributors, you know, Kenzie's, Lancaster, Xander's, um, as far as like, you know, your actual distributors. And then we have, what, about 100, uh, mm-hmm. 100 dealers across the U.S. Um, we have uh, places overseas uh, that sell our broadheads. Um, we actually have a distributor in, um, uh, Heath, I'm drawing a blank. Sweden. Uh, all, Sweden. Yep. Uh, Sweden that sells our broadheads. Um you know, our broadheads have been to New Zealand, killed a bunch of stuff in New Zealand, um, just, you know, all over the place. Obviously, you know, we're still growing the market. Um, we've, we've been in uh, meetings with uh, bigger box stores. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't, they don't tend to take you seriously till you're in year five. Because they want to know if they start doing business with you, that right. you know you're going to be in it for the long haul. So realistically, this this year here is when a lot of things are really going to start taking off. Of course, yeah, this you is know? a substantial year for our growth. Yeah, it is. It is, and we're ready. You know, we've got a. Um, you know, I've worked for a few different companies in the outdoor industry. And I can honestly say this is one of the most skilled, dedicated, hardworking, best group of guys that I've, that I've, I've worked with. And, uh, you know, there's, it's pretty much a common goal, um, is just the success of Thorn Broadheads. And, and we're all, um, very deeply, uh, committed to it just because we love the product that much yep 100 percent. i can back him on that it's it is a it's a small tight-knit family but uh yep more than that you know we believe in what we're doing it's not just it's not just another job to pay the bills you know it's this is something that we adore you know hunting hunting is our life at the core and, and then archery and you know leading to bow hunting it's just what we are and we've got a product that at in our hearts and in our minds we truly believe that it can be at the top and will be at the top sooner rather than later and you know this year's our year to prove it you know we've been mm-hmm. this is our fifth year in business like scott was saying you know and it's it's coming you know we're we're getting out there our brand awareness has grown exponentially every year yep. for the last five years and it's just a matter of time before it's a household name. Absolutely. 
I mean, it's it's right up on us. Yeah, it's it's getting there. So yeah, I don't know. The big box stores, they they have such large volume that they're gonna need to get that and you know, probably until you've been in there about five years, you can't handle the volume. Yeah. And now you're getting to the point where you can handle the volume and get in places like that. But you know, I you know, you find a good broadhead, you're gonna find a source for it, you know. Yeah. Quick quit going to the big box stores, go to the pro shops, they're more likely gonna be able to if they if they don't stock it. You know, they can say, okay, um, order them up and, mm -hmm. you know, set up an account. And, you know, I've had to do that on, on some parts I need in for a bow. You know, there was no dealer. So I talked to the one guy and he become a dealer so I can get the parts in for my bow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's what you could do at a small shop. It's like, okay, uh, I need to set up accounts. So I can get these parts in. Uh, okay. You know, that's, that's something else. Just another market. And, you know, when, when you have, you know, after talking to you guys, you know, this, you know, I've switched mechanicals. I think this is the one I'd switch to because yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it just after talking to you guys, you know, it's you know, I might I might just go ahead and switch, but yeah. Well, I hey. think you know, I think in 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 all sincerity and seriousness, um I can say that anybody that's tried our broadheads, I've I've yet to have a person come back to me and say, You gave me bad advice. Yeah. You know, they, they're always like, man, these things are great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's, there's so many out there. It's just getting people to try it. And, and once they do, um, it's, it's like, uh, the, the, the light bulb moment, you know, the light bulb comes on over your head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and, uh, um, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that, that we like, yep. you know. And when they see the product, you know, for a, a first time user, when they see the product and they see how it works and you know, they have questions or whatever, we've convinced them to try it. It's like, you know, like you're saying, the light bulb just goes off. It's like, well, duh, you know, that just makes perfect sense. You know, why has no one ever thought of that before? And then when it gets put to use, you know, you've got a lifetime customer more than likely, you know, right. so well, and like me, I've got one bow for hunting because my broadheads don't fly the same as field tips. I have another bow to shoot that I shoot field tips out of, you know, like for 3Ds and target with it and whatnot. Mm. Well, if you can't have two bows, can't afford two bows, how are you going to do one without having to, uh, you know, you could right. you could switch sites, have here's my hunting site, then pull a site off and put another one for the, the other one so they're sided in for there. But now you're bolting sites on, taking them off, putting them back on, you know, every year you're doing it. And well, okay, if I want to practice, you put the side on, you get done practicing, so I'm going to practice tomorrow, and you don't make it. Well, the next day you're going hunting, you have your hunting, don't have your hunting side on, because it's at home. So, mm. you know, that's yeah. just all kind of a logistic stuff that, uh, you, you know, if you don't have two bows, one set up for specific purposes, you know, going to mechanical like this, well, that seems like that would be, you know, kind of a yep. no-brainer. You got one bow, shoot something, you can shoot them the same. Yep. Yep. And, and, and if you like fixed blade, I can tell you, if you put that crown on, you absolutely um, be yeah, careful you, with be, it. Yeah. yeah, be careful. They're super sharp. Um, yeah. And lots of blades. I, yeah, lots of blades. Uh, it. I, I tell everybody, once it gets a hold of you, it don't let go, man. You're just right. <laughs> I mean, you are cut. Uh, yeah. But but I think you would be uh, very impressed with uh, the accuracy and, and the performance. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I I bought a set of mechanicals one time to shoot with my my bow I use for you know field tips because I I needed to make a string for the the other bow and I I didn't have it done. It's like okay, I'm just going to get us on mechanicals so I can go out and, and hunt and then ended up not using them anyway. And yeah, I finally got finally got the string made for my bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. guy that makes makes bows, bow strings, and everything else is like, okay, my hunting bow was down for a couple of years because I just didn't get to it. You know, right? Hey, it happens, man. It happens. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I I don't have any arrows. I got three arrows left to hunt with, and then you go out and you shoot those three arrows, and you still have deer coming by. I still got tags left. You know, it's yep. like I got no arrows, <laughs> but that's what I do yep. is I make arrows. <laughs> yep, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, what kind of parting thoughts do you have? Scott, let's go with you first. I, you know, I just say that if, uh, you know, if folks are looking to do a broadhead switch for this year, um, you know, if you have more questions, reach out to one of us. Anybody would be happy to talk with you and uh give them a try I, I i i wholeheartedly believe that they will be uh impressed mm -hmm. yeah and and you'd be supporting a very good company and yeah what I are can, your party thoughts i can attest to scott you know i can pretty much second that it's uh you know i hope that with this podcast it's brought about a uh, a good awareness of who we are what we are and you know brought even further awareness to the product and for those that are on the edge of that fixed blade mechanical that that fence that you're riding you know if you're going to try one try ours you know it's yeah. it's a product that we wholeheartedly stand behind you know and if there is a problem you know god forbid you know we're here to back it up we're here to either explain something. No, we can't. If, you know, if you shoot a lifetime buck of a lifetime and something was to happen, you know, we can't fix that. I mean, that's in the past, but we'll be there, you know, we'll be there to talk you through things. You know, we'll be there before you bomb if you got questions, you know, so with all that being said, we just hope that this is enough to bring a positive outlook on what we are and then what we have. It's just be yep. confidence in your equipment and and know it's going to work and just go have fun. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for being on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of information yeah, Roy. on there, and it's it's been you know kind of an eye opening on mechanicals <laughs> and you know some of the advantages yeah. and I knew some of the advantages and disadvantages and we kind of talked through those and and I think yeah. it's a uh, you know good information i you know i know everybody in the group is gonna uh, and everybody sees this or watches it or listens to it or watches it it's gonna get some good information yeah well roy thanks for having us we really appreciate it and uh we look forward to seeing your success stories this year with <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, we, we've to... gained a new customer yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna have to get a set of them <laughs> It's like it's like a try them out. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Stop shooting my muzzies and shoot these instead. Hey, <laughs> muzzies work for a lot of years, but you know. Oh yeah, they're they're change. tough. You know, they yep. were recommended to me by the the first set of broadheads I bought, and I've used them ever since. And 
you know, they say bad sure. to the bone and I've shattered bones with them. And like story says, I stuck one in concrete block and I still use the broadhead, but concrete yeah. blocks aren't like rocks. Yeah. <laughs> right. A rock, a rock or a steel plate would have done it in a little bit. But... Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, my name is Roy Canterbury, and host today on Arch Talk 101 with the great guys from Thorn Broadheads. And we'll see you next week. Make sure you, you tune in. Uh, the podcast comes out uh, twice a week, Mondays and Fridays uh, for the podcast. And on the YouTube channel on Tuesdays and Saturdays. So stay tuned for the next one. We'll have an exciting call next time.